Tell you how, my friends, here we are on the hunt for deeper truths. Join us now. We're going to take a wee bit of a ride. Best to hold on tight. We might take several jumps. So here's a quick preview. So even though God does not want ill on people, he will allow evil to happen so that good things will come of it. An example is Joseph. When Joseph was sold by his brothers and had to go through all the trials and eventually God elevated him in Egypt, God said that what was made for evil, he turned into good. And he said that through Joseph. And I believe that's what we're seeing today that, yeah, I mean, is it terrible that so many people are out of jobs and people losing loved ones and the economy is halting and we're, we're seeing a slowdown of everything. But at the same time, uh, the Lord is going to, I believe, get a good time out of this might be actually the last chance for, for the church and for people to draw close to the Lord before the rapture of the church. to Spiritual Encounters with Pastor Casper McLeod. And now, here's your lion-hearted host, Pastor Casper. We are all doing what we can for the Invisible War effort here at the Home Office, and I just want to say, as a Christian, I intend to live forever. So far, so good. No, seriously, the world will never end for those who walk in Christ that God be love. And so I'm just encouraging you all to, to come and live a life that's glorifying to Christ. And, um, you know, my friends, I, I know I've said this numerous times back in the olden days when we used to be able to have conferences and gather together lots of people. I've been blessed to administer like this. And, you know, a ship on the water is good, but water inside the ship is not good. And my conclusion would be that, you know, the church in this world is obviously a good thing. It's what God wants. But the world inside the church, that's not good. And again, the church is not a building. It's the people. So you can't shut it down, even with man-made viruses or anything else that's going on. Which brings me back to my original premise here, that we, the church, as true disciples, must preach the gospel heal the sick, cast out demons in the almighty name of Jesus Christ in the Israel. That's what he told us to do. Uh, he was resurrected, you know, read Mark 16 all the way through. Um, this is what he's asking us to do as his ambassadors. So um, again, you know, where anywhere can anybody find that Jesus ever gave a seeker-friendly message anywhere in the Holy Scriptures that nobody was offended? And with that, just let me welcome you to another spiritual encounter. I am your lion-hearted host. Pastor Casper, quick reminder, don't forget to like and subscribe and share, comment on anything you find of interest, anything you want us to address in the future. And I am so honored and blessed to have our good friend Nathan Jones back with us. Uh, Nathan, what's going on in your world? <laughs> 
Well, we're all a little cooped up because of the coronavirus crisis. Uh, even in these opulent settings, uh, yes, we are all probably going a little stir crazy by now. But uh, those of us here at Lamb and Lion Ministries are quite busy, obviously. A wonderful side effect of the coronavirus crisis is a renewed sense of interest in people about uh, the Jesus' soon return, about the end times, about what the Bible has to say about this. And so uh, we are quite busy actually online. We've been producing a new series called Prophetic uh, Perspectives to put on YouTube and encourage people each day. And so uh, as we're trying to all make it through this, uh, I totally agree with you. The church is not the building. The church is the body of Christ. It's the people. And praise the Lord, we live in a time period where we have the technology to meet like this. It is a, an amazing time to be here. Um, Dr. Michael Lake had, uh, and a few other people have mentioned to me that um, one thing that's really been flying off the shelf along with new paper is um, Bibles. You can go and you can, if you can get into a shop, you won't be able to find the Bible now. Uh, people have really, you know, it's kind of like, I think this is like another 9-11 on steroids, personally. And what happened after that? The churches were just flooded with people. Of course, after a few months, they went back to sleep again. I don't personally think anything's going to return the way it was. I think we're in a new phase here, and I certainly hope we can discuss that. I'm thinking about this. You know, Jesus' own family members didn't believe him until he, after his resurrection. I mean, this John 7 talks about, you know, his brother didn't even believe him. His own family did not understand. Um, you know, people, are, they, they're just repulsed. If, if you're a true, spiritual, born-again Christian, lots of people are repulsed by that because the spirit of sin clearly hates God. And yet, at the same time, they're attracted to you because they're going like, you got something I need. Yes. My daughter was born on the week of 9-11. I remember the first time ever that you could look up in the sky for the, all that week and not see a plane contrail going through the sky. And now she's a senior graduating from high school, and they're starting to call it our children's 9-11, because now that they're older, and, and it, I, believe, I totally agree with you. This is something that, like 9-11, will change the way we live. Well, I think what's important, I think is a major key that we need to share, um, especially in the position God's put us here in, in leadership of the church is John 12, 25, which says, you know, he that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it, his life eternal. Um, we're supposed to sanctify, you know, with the truth of its truth. And more people have died probably from persecution you know, the, the Christians and Jews than any virus. Or, I mean, the flu, the common flu has taken out more people. So, I mean, this is clearly an orchestrated event. And again, you know, Second Corinthians 2 tells us, you know, we shouldn't let Satan get an advantage. We should talk about these things. One of the reasons I think we're in this trouble today is because the church hasn't been doing what the church was called to do. The church has been preaching religion. Nobody needs that. We need the true gospel. And now, with that, you know, I, I've got to go back to this. I mean, you've written an amazing book. I put it here, right? Oh, this, this, is like, this is like such an eye-opener for people that, you know, want to know what's really going on. You've nailed it in here. I mean, this is, this is what we've got to talk about. And most churches have not even addressed the subject, let alone, you know, even scan the pages of what you're talking about here. So, um. You know, it's, the Lord tells us, you know, 
blessed that we read revelations. Most churches, you never hear them talk about any of that. Not at all. Well, I'm glad you like the, the book, Pastor Casper, The Mighty Angels of Revelation. It takes you through all 22 chapters of the book of Revelation, but from the angel's point of view, 72 different angels. Uh, it was a blessing to write that book because you're right. It, it gives you the, the big picture of God's plan for the ages. And we can tend to get in this time period believing that this is the way it's always going to be. You know, the, the way we live our lives is been always the same and it's always going to be the same and that's not true the, the lord has a plan for this age the church age will end the tribulation will happen and then there's a millennial kingdom of christ's kingdom on the earth after that and then on into the eternal state we've seen in the bible different time periods where people live differently and uh so the idea that you know this is just going to keep on going or the american fallacy to think that politicians are going to fix all our problems Clearly not. We need the Lord Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, to return. And I firmly believe that in this critical time period that we are in the birth pains that Jesus talked about in Matthew 24 and Luke 21, that he prophesied 10 different signs that would occur the closer we got to his return. And they'd happen more frequent and more intense. And I don't know about you, but I can't turn the news on without seeing some natural disaster, some pandemic, some earthquake, some volcano, locust plagues. Uh, fires throughout Australia. I mean, the Lord is shaking the earth and he's trying to get us our attention. And what he's saying through all this, and we read in the book of Revelation, he's saying, repent, come to me while there's still time. I totally agree with you. I, I've shared with my church um, the last number of weeks, I've, I've said things about like, you know, maybe this is a chastening of the Lord. I mean, okay, I, I've, I've had enough of you and you're, you're worshiping, you know, rock stars and sports stars and all the other stuff you go running after i mean we never see people you know cheering you know for the lord the way they cheer a football game um <clears throat> maybe just had enough of it it's, it's it's like a reset here it's like either get you know it's it's um matthew 7 like many will stay in that day but lord lord there's gonna a lot of people aren't gonna make it into heaven to think they are because they're not being to do with the word they're being deceived um by you know that doctrine out there that you know it's just all feel good tickle my ears stuff absolutely uh, you know he's no theologian but hulk hogan the famous wrestler actually had an interview recently where he nailed it he said that just like in the exodus where god used the plagues to attack the various gods of egypt that god is using this coronavirus crisis to deal with the different gods of this age the gods of celebrityism the gods of movies the gods of entertainment uh, the gods of health, uh, the gods of money. And I was like, wow, if Hulk Hogan can understand that, and I don't doubt he's probably not a smart man outside of his persona there, but he nailed it that, yes, the Lord is making us sit down. And didn't it seem, too, that we've been going as a world just helter-skelter in a mad dash, and now everybody is, is calmed down, we're put in our homes, and we're doing something that Christians in past centuries did that we don't do nowadays. We have the time to meditate on God's word, to contemplate our finality, to try to understand who God is. And uh, probably your ministry, as much as mine, we're seeing is that people are asking these questions. People we've never encountered before are writing in or contacting us through social media. They want to know what's going on in the world. And I totally agree with you. The Lord is using this time period to kind of put the brakes on the world and make us think about our mortality and our relationship with him. Amen. I, this is such an amazing time to watch this unfolding. And 
you know, we look through history, and I know you're, you're very well versed in that as well. The church flourishes during times of persecution. That's when the church does what it's supposed to do. I mean, during some of the big plagues, like in, in ancient Roman days, when even the emperors, you know, died of the plague, the pagans threw their family members out the door. Oh, you got the coronavirus virus, right? They threw them out the door. The dying in the streets. The Christians are the ones that came along and picked them up and fed them and nursed them and cared for them, shared the gospel, and then they got saved. Christianity multiplied again and again. Um, you know, we think of the, the Christians that faced the you know the lions and the, the horrible things that they did in the Colosseum. Um, and there's reports that you know they had smiles on their faces when they looked at the corpses and when they leave to be with the Lord. We're kind of seeing that this day and age. A friend of mine in Nicaragua, Donald Dolmas, uh, he posted some videos that came out of the, some of the surrounding countries like uh, Guatemala and where they're taking their dead and they're putting them out in the streets and literally lighting them on fire to try. So we're seeing some of that today. I, I don't know what you think about this, but I've wondered since Xi Jinping became basically the new emperor of China, he is radically, because so, he declared himself president for life, has radically started persecuting Christians. We have uh, missionaries that Lamb and Lions connected with to in China, who he is terribly persecuting the church and all. And then all of a sudden, boom, we get this coronavirus out of the Wuhan province. Uh, the country has to stop its persecution, at least for a while I hear it's back to persecuting its churches. But, you know, it's, it's only so far that the Lord will allow the persecution of his children before he steps in with some kind of judgment. I think so too, and that takes us back to angels. I mean, you know, like in Psalm 103, talked about, you know, the, the angel of the Lord um, comes in great um, strength. I mean, it just takes one angel to, to handle the situation, yeah? Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Well, a lot of folks are writing, they're asking us, and they're asked, saying, uh, do you believe that God is behind the coronavirus? And I would say definitely. The Bible makes a clear case that God is sovereign. We can look at the book of Job, for instance, and Satan could not plague Job without God's permission. So even though God does not want ill on people, he will allow evil to happen so that good things will come of it. An example is Joseph. When Joseph was sold by his brothers and had to go through all the trials and eventually God elevated him in Egypt, God said that what was made for evil, he turned into good. And he said that through Joseph. And I believe that's what we're seeing today that, yeah, I mean, is it terrible that so many people are out of jobs and people losing loved ones and the economy is halting and we're, we're seeing a slowdown of everything. But at the same time, uh, the Lord is going to, I believe, get a good time out of this might be actually the last chance for, for the church and for people to draw close to the Lord before the rapture of the church. I agree with you, my brother. And as you were talking about Job, uh, the Lord reminded me, you know, Job said, the thing which I feared greatly has come upon me. I mean, Job's kids were like party animals. They were doing stuff and he was always making sacrifices for them. And God doesn't want the sacrifices. He wants you. He wants your whole heart. Um, there, so there again, that spirit of fear. I mean, what is going on now? They're controlling the world by a spirit of fear. It's been unleashed. And, you know, when you're in fear, you're bowing down to something you're saying is greater than God's ability to deliver you. And then God, being the perfect gentleman, stands back and goes, I can wait. Yeah. I, Jeremiah 33, 3, call on me and, and I'll do great and mighty things, but I'm waiting. You've got freedom of choice. You, it's up to you what you want to do here. 
Now it tells us first John 1 7, if we walk in the light, he is light, and we've got fellowship with one another, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin, right? And we say we haven't sinned, the truth's not even in us. So um, I, I share with my church, you know, because we are talking about the, the, the we may be living in the book of Revelation right now. I mean, and I, I shared an, an article from, I found from Microsoft, um, the ID 2020 Alliance. Uh, just for clarity, I'll, I'll just quote, it says, as more and more uh, transactions become digital in nature um, and are built around single global identification standards supported by Microsoft, right? He wants to vaccinate everybody with a digital ID. The question of who will govern the evolving global community and economy becomes irrelevant, especially since non-participants in the systems would be unable to buy or sell goods or services. That's like Revelation 13, right? He causes both small and great, rich and poor, free bond, receive the mark on the right hand and forehead that nobody might buy or sell, say they have the mark. This is amazing. I mean, this is in real time happening right in front of us. And I, I just get the sense that a lot of people are asleep. They're, they're just not, re either that or they're fearing the reality of what's really happening. Yet, I mean, people call us conspiracy theorists because we even talk about that and go on. That's something the CIA made up just to try to discredit people from their research and data. You know, it's like, and the Lord even warns us, you know, about they'll be, you know, they'll be deceiving. That's fake news. We've got lots of fake news out there. If you put out a true story straight away, you know, the Soros machine um, is out there spinning it in a new direction, trying to make it, you know, discredit it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's interesting about the mark of the beast. One uh, thing I've been trying to read every article, article I can find where futurists try to figure out what will be the result after we get through the coronavirus crisis. And seemingly, universally, the number one thought is that paper money and, and coinage money will be a thing of the past because it, it contaminates, it, it spreads germs. Uh, already we're seeing a few countries like Sweden and Europe who plan on going cashless. Mm. And uh, so people ask, why are Christians worried about cashless? It, it sounds great, right? I, I, I use a credit card pretty much for everything. I barely pull cash out if I need it now. But the idea is that eventually the Antichrist, as you said in Revelation 13, will control the commerce of the world. And you can't control the commerce of the world if people can still, on the back channels, pass cash to and from each other. So if anything that comes out of this, I, I totally agree. I believe that the cashless society will be sped up as a result of this. I think you're um, right on target there. That as well as like, no matter what happens, those on the far left are going, we're going to take great guns, you know, the, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's, it's like the, the whole thing with communism, which is, you know, socialism's like, you know, communism to dummies, right? Socialism. <laughs> Sorry, it is. Well, one thing where I agree with what we're seeing here is, it's amazing that that as Americans, we, we pulled together. Actually, you got to praise that, the willpower of the entire planet, to have an entire planet sit back, willingly self-isolate, stay in their homes, don't do activities, for the most part, follow the guidelines and put trust in their leaders. I mean, that doesn't happen much in history, but everybody was worried and willing to do it. And as we've continued past the two weeks, they said we were gonna self-isolate, now six weeks, and they're talking about eight weeks or longer. Uh, you know, we're seeing in the news now, people are starting to hold rallies in front of, of uh, governmental buildings and, and governor's mansions and things like that because they're just so long that you can let a people give up their freedoms before they're going to want it back. Here in Texas, uh, 
Uh, we're located in the Dallas area, and I'm really proud of our Governor Abbott. We're the first state to start rolling back some of these restrictions as of this week. Uh, Non-essential medical are allowed to meet back together again. Parks are, are reopened again as long as people. The idea is that they trust the people to take care of themselves. They don't need government giving them tickets for drive-in churches. Or uh, there's stories of, of police putting nails in church parking lots so that people don't drive in or arresting surfers off their surfboards on the beach. I mean, crazy stuff like that. But we're seeing how far can government push it. And certainly some governors like the one up in Michigan is clearly pushing the envelope and seeing how much they can rights take away. Now imagine a world post rapture where the church is gone, the restraining influence is gone of the Holy Spirit through the church. Imagine how quickly people will be given up their rights and have their rights taken. It will be a world that we could even imagine in this day and age. Yeah, that's a um, very uncomfortable thought. And um, yes. and we need to talk about it because um, there will be a day and maybe they'll be watching this after the fact. And so they'll finally come to that place. Well, last time I, I got the honor of being on your show, Pastor Casper, there was no idea of coronavirus. I mean, we heard about it in China. We knew it was coming, uh, and uh, now it's here, and, and we're all self-isolating. And and what was the biggest booming economy is now in shambles, and gas is as cheap as ever, and because they don't, they can't, they're putting in negative dollars for barrels of oil. Twenty-two million people are unemployed. I mean, it's amazing how quickly a world can turn. And when you go through the Book of Revelation and you read about the twenty-one judgments that God will put on the earth during the book of Revelation, you could see how each one with just this coronavirus, which I don't believe is part of Revelation, it's a sign of the end times leading up to the uh, book of Revelation, but that it shows that how much you can change a world, you know, just like that, so quickly with just one disaster. And the, the scriptures talk about things changing, you know, overnight. I mean, the, the great city is gone and I mean, it talks about once the population being gone and, uh, all, you know, the whole wormwood thing. It's, uh, I, I, I shared at the beginning of the year, you know, uh, this decade. I mean, we've got um, transhumanists saying by 2030, some very esteemed uh, transhumanists, uh, very bright men uh, going, uh, you know, they'll, they'll be... Um, self-aware computers and people all you know of course part of agenda 2030 is is microchipping everybody's brain and um, you will no longer you know you know take one uh, degree to take you off being human again so okay. it, the lord says unless those days be shortened um there'll be no flesh saved but the elect sake those days will be shortened we had on our television program christ and prophecy Britt gillette who's a a prolific author. He looks at technologies of the future, not of today, of tomorrow, and, and then looks at how Bible prophecy would look through that lens. And we talked a bit about transhumanism and how the idea really kind of stems back to that, that garden lie that Satan told Eve that we could be like God. It, it seems like humanity is constantly trying to force, for lack of a better word, an evolution where we are let more than we are, where we become God's and if not God, and doing that through transhumanism, through our technology, through enhancements, uh, it's scary because you know it used to be a time where where there was an ethics about it. You know, you wouldn't mix human DNA with pig DNA, or you wouldn't mix animal DNA with jellyfish. Or all the weird experiments that are going on, especially in China, to make a better, more powerful human being. 
And uh, it's, you know, I, I never thought much of transhumanism until I talked to Brit, but it's an, it really fits the human pattern. This idea, almost a Star Trek idea that as a society, we're going to become more moral and more uh, better and more technologically proficient until we evolve into gods. And that's wired into humanism. And we're seeing that played out today. Now, obviously, Satan will continue to tell that lie well into the tribulation, but it's sad how so many people bought into it. We can't become gods. There's only one true God, the king of the universe. We will be exalted as heirs of the God, but we ourselves won't be gods. And, and that's something we need to accept. But what will be is actually something better. Children of the Lord. Yes, indeed. I, you know, I, I know we've talked about this in times past. Um, I, I wrote about it extensively in my book on Mask in the Future, um, because this is a reality. And I, I had people... At first, like even my editor, Lori Colley, was um, hesitant. She didn't want to work on the manuscript when I gave it to her because she was, this is like crazy, just insane, not, you know. And then she started researching things I was writing about. She's like, oh my God, it's true. And then by the time the book was finished, she'd shared it with her daughter and some girlfriends and other ladies. And they came back with all the same statement. You've taken the fear of the future away from me, which is, you know, the purpose of the book. I mean, either you trust God or you don't. Uh, but these things are reality. Uh, you know, the bionic soldiers, I mean, we, I, I think because of this whole virus thing, the way it's been planned out, I mean, it's orchestrated. There's something much more vicious and vile going on behind the scenes. It can't just be because the, the Russian collusion collapsed and, you know, they, they, they couldn't, you know, get the impeachment thing to happen. I mean, they knew probably before they even went in there. It was all, again, sleight of hand trying to, you know, mess about. I think there's, there's something so much more sinister going on. Um, and then you got, you know, the obvious thing, like with Mr. Gates, his, his father, Bill Gates Sr., part of the Margaret Sanger Planned Parenthood, whatever they were called before, they had baby killers, I don't know. Um, it just, they had, I forget what the other name was before they became Planned Parenthood. But I mean, you know, these guys are eugenics. That, yes. Um, uh, Darwin's cousin was the guy that coined that expression eugenics huh. and, and back in the 1700s you know the, the elite were saying oh this there's too many people you know populations we're gonna we'll run out of food they were there this they started the French Revolution well you know who benefited from that nobody except the people that started it that orchestrated it and you know it would have come over to England except that God had raised up people like John Wesley that went against religion and spoke and preached the gospel. And so by the time, you know, like, because the common person, you couldn't get in the church if you didn't, you know, you weren't dressed properly. It was all re high religion. And, and here he just, you know, preaching on the streets. The common people are getting saved. And so by the time the French Revolution guys came over to, to, into London trying to cause trouble, you know, like the big thugs they, they'd had here that have riots, they were like, get out of here. We're not going for it. I mean, otherwise, I would have changed the course of history. So again, I think we just need to keep praying. We just need to lead people in the right direction here. Uh, all things are possible with God. Um, I, I think we should probably talk about it. But, you know, John um, B. Rockefeller was a heavy supporter of eugenics. And uh, back in the, before World War I, he'd... Uh, paid, you know, I, I'm guessing he probably don't know he'll ever trace it. it's an invisible virus, right? But he paid to have that develop. It was um, the, the so-called swine flu it was actually pneumonia. 
on, uh, it was developed out of horse blood in, in his laboratories. His scientists were paid to do this. And then they injected it into the immigrants because they, you know, they, they didn't like the immigrants. All these, they came over legally, by the way, right? Legal immigrants came to America, like the Irish famine, potato famine, they, they were all here. So they injected them as guinea pigs and sent them back to Europe and millions of people died from this thing. That's the same thing that's been going on. I mean, this is, you know, we really got to look at this and examine what's happening. If we understand how we got to this point and understand what the word of God says so we can, because, you know, the Lord says nothing that's covered won't be revealed. Mm -hmm. It's interesting how much eugenics played into World War II, how much eugenics fueled the Nazism, the Aryanism, how much it fueled the different races and groups believing that they were superior to others to build a better soldier, the horrors of Joseph Mengele and all that. And then you read in the book of Revelation how the Antichrist comes to power as a peacemaker, and that's the first seal judgment. And the second seal judgment, he brings war to the earth. And by the time the war is done and the repercussions of the war, which is famine and plague and wild animals and all the things, that's a third seal judgment. You get the fourth seal judgment, which is mass death. We're talking about a quarter of the world population will die in the next world war. Let's call it World War Three or whatever. The, the tribulation war that the Antichrist rages around the world. And uh, eugenics could well play into it because we're seeing this fascination with eugenics again. I mean, it's wonderful that for a few decades, we put it aside and we said, no, 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 it's, it's unethical. But it doesn't seem like there's much holding back the work of a eugenics nowadays. And the, the result of eugenics is always war and destruction as one group feels are superior and tries to destroy another. And we're going to see the anti or I don't believe we'll see it. Well, I believe we'll be raptured before the tribulation, but the world will see the Antichrist wage a war around the world to consolidate his one world empire that will build. And the end result is amazing to think a billion and a half to two billion people in today's numbers will die from this war. I mean, the coronavirus will seem people will yearn for the days of the coronavirus for those who have to go through that. Mm. I know we're coming up on a break pretty soon, but I think we should really go after um, explaining the rapture because, it, you know, the evidence is so overwhelming for you and I um, that we won't experience that end of it. Um, I, I know people, it, it's, you know, very controversial in, in the church. It's, um, I, I think there's much more evidence to support opposition than not. So, I mean, we are going through, you know, bad stuff right now. I mean, the whole world, especially over in the Middle East and other places where, like in China. But yeah, in the midst of that, you know, like in the underground church of China, it's like Azusa Street. I'm hearing miraculous stories of blind people seeing again and deaf hearing and even, you know, limbs growing out again, like what happened in Azusa Street. So um, it's amazing too amongst Muslims, how many that can't be reached by missionaries are having dreams of Jesus visiting them and people saved and uh, I'm not too much connected to those, but for the few missionaries I've run across and I've asked, is, is this true? Is this is this people just stories? And it says, no, they're shocked that, that Muslims are coming to Christ behind that Muslim wall that's blocking the gospel from coming in. This is the, the Lord's last push through the, both the church, which I, I, circling back to what you said about the church earlier, uh, we are in the book of Revelation, if you go to Revelation 3, and that's the last church of this age, the church of Laodicea, the, the apathetic church who thinks it has it all, but is really blind, naked, and poor. In other mm -hmm. words, we're not spiritually deep. We're a mile wide and an inch deep, and we haven't really 
had that passion for the gospel yet. So God is using the church, of course, but then he's directly involved in bringing the gospel by the Holy Spirit to people all over the world behind closed borders. And to me, that's a great clarion call of the fact that Jesus Christ is coming soon. Amen. I, as I, I'm just recalling, I read a story. It was like on a major news network. I forget which one. There was a woman like in India who's dying of something. And, and she claimed this man showed up in the middle of the night and said, I'm Jesus of Nazareth. And he reached in and he pulled, there was a big tomb and he pulled it out and, was in a, and put it in a glass of water next to her bed. And the doctor, the medical staff came in amazed. She was healed completely. And there's the tumor in a glass of water. So, I mean, you know, why not? I mean, anything's possible with God. Let's take a break <laughs> and let's come back and let's talk about revelations and, and the rapture. It must be naturally craveable. Ooh, it's got to be. Nothing else could satisfy me. Ooh, craveable. Ooh, naturally craveable. Hot smoking. Naturally craveable It's got to be Nothing else could satisfy Welcome back to Spiritual Encounters. Brother Nathan, what's unfolding here? I, I mean, we look at um, all that's going on. We've got people, um, you know, upset with the world situation. And I, I understand um, more anti-anxiety drugs are being administered now. Than, you know, it's, a, it's an amazing increase. People are being isolated. You're not getting that oxytocin level being around other people. And, one of my military um, informants told me that uh, part of the, the reason the technology, they, they can't really um, handle groups of people, but if they can you know, have individuals, I mean, we know the technology's there. They can, um, they can zoom in on you from thousands of miles away within six inches of where you stand, and maybe one inch now. Mm. But here's the, the word that God says, but I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those that curse you, do good to them and hate you, bless, you know, pray for them that despitefully use you, persecute you. So we got like people like Bill Gates saying um, if, on the TED Talk, we do a really good job on, on these vaccines. We can lower the population, right? The whole Georgia Guidestone thing. They want to limit. It's like Orwellian double talk. But here we are as Christians, ambassadors of Christ, the God we love. We're, we're supposed to bless these people. That's the right attitude to have. As Christians, we're called to be salt and light in the world. We're supposed to be little Christ, which Christian means, followers of Christ or little Christ and exemplify his love to the world. We're supposed to hold back the evil of the world till the Lord returns. And so this is a great opportunity to do that. We uh, might all be socially isolated, but as Christians, we know that the world is looking at us. How do we behave? How do we act? Do we have fear? Do we run out and buy up all the toilet paper and barricade ourselves in our homes and don't talk to anybody? Or do we show Christ's love? Do we help people in need? And there are going to be a lot of people in need after this, especially as uh, 
jobs are lost and the economy hurting. This is a great opportunity for the church to be the hands and feet of the body of Christ. And it's a wonderful opportunity for, for the church to step up and really show the love of the Lord. I believe personally that many people are going to come to know Jesus as their Savior as a result of this crisis. And isn't that, Pastor, how God works? When he judges, the purpose is to bring repentance and then reconciliation between God and us. And really, that's what God wants, right? He wants mankind to reconcile with him. Ambassadors of Christ are in the reconciliation. It's what it's all about. I mean, in, you know, he even tells us, blessed are those that mourn, but they shall be comforted. Um, the Holy Spirit's going to come and teach you all the things you need to know. And, uh, you know, the, the world's in trouble. It's clearly in trouble. And, and, you know, we've got the tribulation thing and told in here. And yet we need to keep our joy. Which, I mean, that inner joy that cannot be stolen from anybody, we, that supernatural peace, the Lord said, I'm going to give you peace. Not like the world gives you. It's supernatural. They can't take it away from you. Um, so I just pray, you know, that you just keep your, your heart right before the Lord. Um, get your heart right with the Lord. Um, tells us in um, the Second Thessalonians, you know, let nobody deceive you by any means. So, you know, if you don't keep watching the fake news, I mean, it's propaganda. Why do you just keep, you know, they, they can't stay on the air if people don't support it. You don't watch it. The, 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 you know, the advert companies aren't going to pay for the, to keep them on. Um, and they just don't have the, you know, the power that they think they have. But, you know, let's talk about the rapture. Um, Paul says, uh, in, um, where is that? Where, you know, I beseech you, brother, the coming of our Lord Jesus uh, the gathering together on him, that you may, would not be shaken in your mind. Uh, you wouldn't be troubled by your spirit nor the things that you say, because you know, it's all at hand. I mean, maybe you could expound on it for me. Sure, sure. Well, we know that Jesus Christ is returning. Matter of fact, the second coming of the Lord was prophesied in 500 prophecies in the Old Testament and one in 25 verses in the New Testament prophesy the Lord's soon return. It's the most the second coming of Jesus Christ is the most prolific prophecy in the entire Bible. Matter of fact, three times in the book of Revelation in chapter 22, Jesus says, I'm coming back, I'm coming back, I'm coming back. We know that the Lord is coming soon. That's what the Bible calls in Titus our blessed hope. We know that Jesus Christ is coming. Now, what will that look like? Well, as Jesus was ascending up to heaven, the angel said to apostles, men, why are you looking up in the sky? Jesus Christ will come back in the same way you see him leave. In other words, he will come down through the clouds. Now we know that the Lord's return is in two stages, what's called the rapture of the church to take those who professed uh, faith in Jesus Christ as their savior up to heaven before he pours his wrath out on the world in an event called the rapture. Now people, come up and say, you know, I'm looking all over the Bible. I don't see that word rapture anywhere. And well, you have to go to 1 Thessalonians 4.17, and it's the word caught up. So if you read in your version caught up or snatch up or to take up, it, that word in the Hebrew was uh, harpezo, and in the uh, Greek, it's, uh, excuse me, Greek harpezo, and then Latin well, translation was rapio. And that's where we get the term, the Anglicized term of rapio, as you know, rapture. And so you can find rapture in the Bible. You can also see the rapture in the Bible. For instance, Enoch, before the flood, he was a righteous man. He was taken off this earth before the Lord. Or we've got uh, Noah taken out of God's judgment. We have Rahab 
removed from the city before the Lord destroyed it. Elijah taken up to heaven in the chariot. Again and again, the Lord removed people before he poured his wrath upon the world. So that's how God, God works. So I'm looking forward to the rapture of the church because it's in there in 1 Thessalonians 4, 17. Uh, you can find it in quite a number of verses, if, if you don't mind me reading just a little bit here. 1 Thessalonians 4, okay, 13 through 18 reads, Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep, in other words, die, or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep, died in him. In other words, are saved. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. And here we go. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still in the live or left will be caught up, raptured, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. And here's the promise. Therefore, encourage each other with these worlds. Now, we know the world's getting bad. We know the tribulation, as you read in Revelation 6 through 19, is the ultimate, almost total destruction of the world. But as Christians, we can comfort ourselves knowing that we will be taken up before the Lord pours his wrath out upon the world. Well, that's um, it just it reminds me of the time of the, the, the story of the lepers, you know, the, the lepers, and the one comes back and falls at Jesus' feet and worships him. I mean, I think that's what it's going to be like when we just go from here to suddenly we're translated. And we're just, and that's the feeling I think we're going to have is like, this is so amazing. Thank you. That we're oh, absolutely. Eternity with you. I mean, things are happening, you know, as you said. And, um, I, it, I mean, you could say the, you know, the apostasy of the church and, um, all that's going on, the great tribulation, the gospel is still being preached today. We're still free to say this on the air. Um, they may censor things that we're saying. Um, it'll, you know, gray it out and YouTube or something will say it's, you know, not fitting their format because they don't like us speaking the truth. <laughs> I know but, I got, I got in Facebook jail today. I don't, I'm not quite sure why they didn't tell me, but mm -hmm. I'm in Facebook jail. So yeah, they're already starting to censor us. But, you know, for the most part, we can still say this, you know, it's on radio and television and you're doing television and, and DVDs and CDs and MP3s. You know, the, the, the gospel has gone around the world several times over at this point. And, and yet we're, and we are seeing a great falling away happening. But the power, the power of the gospel is still present today with supernatural signs and wonders and healings. People are still getting saved. Um, it's happening each and every day. People are uncovering the truth and um you know it talks about that in Thessalonians a great falling away that's going to happen and you know I think and I've been saying this in conferences for years now about you know like the whole UFO phenomena it's um, you can't deny it anymore you know people with the with their mobile phones you know with evidence you know it's like I mean and it's even gone mainstream I remember talking about people's I just that's crazy talk but it's gone mainstream you know you got guys on their uh, on major news uh, networks saying, you know, um, there's that somebody in the Navy showing footage of this stuff. And, and I think it was, uh, uh, was on Fox News or something a year or two ago. And he goes, well, what do you think these are? I go, well, they're not from this world. Yeah, because they're it's part of that whole, um, you know, interdimensional entities that's uh, manifest in there, lying signs and wonders. So, um, 
it tells us to comfort our hearts. You know, the Lord wants you to comfort each other's hearts. And that's the core message, not, not the judgment that the church, as you said earlier, we are the restrainer. Once we're gone, it's like all hell is going to break loose, literally. Um, you know, we've been, we're not immune to being persecuted. I mean, Christians have been suffering persecution for the last 2,000 years. But our Lord, certainly, you know, he was crucified, the original gospel. I mean, look at what happened. I mean, he's the expert at turning things around, right? The, the, he told them, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to go into Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be persecuted. I'm gonna, they're going to lie about me. They're going to crucify me. And, and it's like they, they didn't connect until three days later. And which brings me to this question, why is there even a rapture? Uh, is it because, you know, the coming world tribulations? Because, you know, we've been suffering persecution for 2,000 years. Could it be because oh, God's waiting for the last sinner to get saved? before he saves her. Well, that's not true. Lots of people get saved afterwards. So why is there even a rapture, Brother Nathan? Well, what's beautiful about the way the Lord describes the church or the body of Christ is he compares it to a bride, a bride beautifully adorned. And eventually the bridegroom must come and take the bride and marry her. And that's what the Lord's doing. He's, he's it's like a farmer who has all these crops season after season, he brings the wheat in and we're compared to the wheat versus the, the unbelieving world, the tares. The Lord is bringing us in, he's gathering us up to the Lord and we are finally transformed. I love this passage. If you don't mind me reading another one here. First Corinthians, okay, 15, 50 through 58. There's another very fantastic passage about the rapture. It says, I declare to you brothers that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In the flash, in the twinkle of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. And it goes on to say that death no longer has a sting anymore. In other words, it's the promise that the Lord has made the church to rapture or take us up to heaven to be with him. Now, we read in the Bible, too, about the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's this great celebration that the Lord will have in heaven with the raptured church where we spiritually are married to the Lord, and there's a great celebration. That's while the tribulation is raging on the earth, the marriage supper of the Lamb is happening in heaven, as well as it's also a time, you know, you get to the end of the school year, right? It's report card time, you get your gold star or whatever. It's a, the judgment of the just. That's where we're judged for the works that the Holy Spirit did through us, and we're given our eternal rewards during that time. So that's two of the things we do during that tribulation time period. And then it goes back to the promise that you read in Revelation at the end when the Lord returns, his saints dressed in white robes, which the church has given white robes, follow Jesus Christ and watch him have victory over the Antichrist, the false prophet and Satan and all their armies. So the Lord has many purposes for the rapture, but it's to reunite the church, the endless age, the church age, up with the Lord in heaven to finally give us the 
rewards that the Holy Spirit's done through us and to return with Jesus Christ and watch him single-handedly defeat Satan and set up his kingdom on this earth. So that's the heavenly, to answer your question, the answer to what's going on for the church in heaven. Now, the Lord has his purposes for the tribulation on the earth. It's a Brit to bring a remnant of the Jewish people. We read a third of the Jewish people will turn to the Lord in salvation during that time period. We read about multitudes across the world that will accept Jesus as Savior, and many of them martyred during that time period. And it's also to judge the world for its sins, just like God did in the flood. So, yes, as Christians, we have small T tribulations. But this is an event. This is a capital T, the tribulation. So there's a big difference between the two. There is. And again, you know, once the, the restraint of the church is gone, it's, you know, then, right, that the Israel and the, and the Jews are going to help restore the kingdom of God. And uh, they're going to finally recognize, just like um, the Rabbi Yaduri, you know, that um, my friends called Gallup's Rose about with the rabbis here on uh, the secret message, right? You know, you can't open this for a year it's after he's dead, right? The name of had, the Messiah is Yeshua. You know? I mean, yeah, we had uh, Pastor Carl was on our program twice about that. That was probably one of our most controversial shows. A lot of people didn't believe that a messianic, or excuse me, a non-messianic, a Jewish rabbi could believe in Jesus Christ, but he admitted it in that letter. And it's an amazing story. It is, and um, you know, and it, it talks about how soon, you know, the return of Christ is. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, then we've got Paul, the Apostle Paul saying, like Romans in uh, chapter 11, you know, he talks about um, the full salvations come unto the Gentiles, provoke them to jealousy. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of components to this, but, the, you know, it's also the church has somewhat been conceited and trying to replace Israel with itself. You know, there's a number of erroneous uh, teachings have been going on. Um, but here we are waiting for that, that trump, trump of God, you know, to hear the voice of the Lord. I Absolutely. Mean, says, I'm going to show you a mystery. We shall not be chained, you know, all be chained. I mean, I wrote about this in my um, book on the Shroud at Turin. And uh, I, I still think, you know, the, the apostle is holding up the Shroud. And he said, behold, I'm going to show you a mystery. Here's the image of the Lord trans, translated here on this, this cloth, superficially, you know, just like one or two microbes on the, on the fibers of the cloth. I mean, what what an extraordinary thing here. We've got we've got evidence like that. You know, the church is oblivious to for the most part. By you know, uh, eight probably out of ten people have no idea what the Shravatura even is. Yeah, same with the rapture. Most people aren't taught because they're given this what's called the amillennial view of interpretation, this idea that the, the Bible should be have a spiritualized interpretation. They don't take a literal interpretation, but I love the verses that, that teach us that the rapture has to happen before the tribulation. These are promises by God. Look at Ephesians 5, 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words for because of these things. God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient, not those who are faithful. God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Or Romans 5, 9, since we have now been justified by his, Jesus's blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Colossians 3, 4, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I love 1 Thessalonians 1, 10, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath i got two more for you. First Thessalonians 5, 9. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to, re sal to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And to me, the verse that, that 
just cements the pre-trib rapture to me is Revelation 3.10. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. So again and again, the promise is made to Christians that we don't have to endure the wrath of God. Now, we certainly have for 2,000 years plus been dealing with the wrath of Satan and the wrath of man living in a fallen world. We have small t tribulations all the time. There's no doubt part of following Jesus means to be persecuted. But the wrath of God is different. It's like the flood. It's where God radically changes the world in judgment and to reboot the human race, so to speak. And he's going to do that again in this tribulation time period, which we read about in Revelation 6 through 19. But the church, we are promised not to have to endure that time period. So I don't know about you, Pastor, but I find a lot of joy in knowing that no matter how bad it gets, we know the tribulation will be far, far worse than we imagine. And as Christians, we're promised not to have to endure that. I'm in agreement with you. And I, I know um, I've got friends that I've had on the show that um, don't quite agree like that. And that's okay. We're not going to break fellowship because we disagree over the timing of the rapture. But there's going to be a rapture. And you're right. We're going to come back on, on flying white horses, following the Lord Jesus. And as an equestrian, I'm pretty excited about that one too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was hoping for a car. But uh, yeah, we're returning with the Lord on white horses, whether they're uh, angels, like like you said in the Mighty Angels book, I try to explore whether they might be angels. It seems like they're actual horses, and whether they're Pegasus with wings, or there's just some way to uh, of transportation, like I don't know, maybe like that Rainbow Road that Thor runs down in those movies. I don't know how it's going to be, but we know we travel on white horses back with Jesus Christ. Now, if the rapture was in the middle of the tribulation, well, that's not protecting Christians from the mass death toll and God's wrath. If it's at the end of the tribulation, well, how are we supposed to return with Christ if, if he hasn't even taken us to begin with? And there's a lot of, I, I think there's a lot of arguments can be made for each of the views when it comes to the timing of the rapture. But I believe, at least from my research in the Bible, that God protects his loved ones from his wrath. Now, for those after the, after the rapture who are left behind, they miss that opportunity. They miss that promise. They will come to Christ in the multitudes, praise the Lord but many of them will have to suffer under the Antichrist wrath, and many of them will be murdered because of it. So now's a good time to get saved. <laughs> That's an understatement. That's the understatement of the year. Yes, now is the time to come to the Lord and, and ask for him to be your savior, to ask for forgiveness of your sins, to repent, to turn 180 degrees back to Jesus Christ and put your faith and trust in him. Wow, that is well said, Pastor. Why don't we just pray right now? Because we don't know who's watching. And, you know, maybe you, you're watching this and, and you haven't made your peace with God. You know, there's, you know, there's people you've been bitter against, or maybe you're bitter against yourself. Uh, you're entertaining a spirit of bitterness, which God, you know, didn't give you. Then he didn't give you a spirit of fear either. So just be a good time. Let's just go to the Lord in prayer and just make it right with him. No matter what you've done in the past, there's nothing you have done it so bad God wouldn't take you back he still loves you with this everlasting love he just wants to have a, a real relationship with you just say father God in the almighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth I come to you right now and I confess that I admit I, I've done things wrong I've sinned in my life I, I've done things I know I shouldn't have done I did them anyways and I'm asking that you would forgive me and Lord, your word says that if I would believe in my heart that, that you were raised up from the dead, 
and confessed it with my mouth, I'd be saved right here, right now. I thank you for saving me for all eternity to be with you. I thank you, Father God. I forgive all those people that have offended me and hurt me and wounded me. I forgive them right now as you've forgiven me. I thank you, Lord, for making things right between us. I just give you my heart. Come into my life and wash me clean from all unrighteousness. In the almighty name of Jesus Christ and Israel, Messiah Yeshua, amen and hallelujah. Amen. If you prayed that with us just now from your heart, then let us know. You can get in touch with us here at theupperroomfellowship.org. And Nathan, where can people get in touch with you? They go to our website at christinprophecy.org. Uh, if you want to talk to me directly, just click the contact button, christinprophecy.org. And I, I do encourage everybody to, you know, check out the mighty angels of Revelation because it, it's got so many wonderful insights in here. It's mind-boggling stuff. It just, it's a great, great book. I've written um, a number of books, and I couldn't hardly put this one down. This was, like, amazing. Praise one of the best books in the world. Praise, oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I enjoyed writing that one. I enjoyed writing one on the Minor Prophets, too. It's 12 Faith Journeys of the Minor Prophets. There's a lot of application that a part of the book, that the Bible, that's never talked about is the Minor Prophets, and we learn a lot there. So if you want to grow in your faith in Jesus Christ, then uh, pick up Pastor Casper's books or my books. Read them alongside the Bible. You want to read the Bible primarily. Uh, our, hopefully our books can help you grow in your faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. I you know, one of the most important things we should be doing is reading the Word of God. Get in the Word of God, the Word of God gets into you. And sadly, you know, the, a lot of people in church, they're not. They're, they're reading our books. And of course, you know, in our books, we, we, we quote a lot of scriptures. We, we still, you know, I mean, it still works, right? But it's, it's so much like, you know, don't be like, you know, that religion that goes and talks to Mary, God's mother, you know, Jesus' mother. Go direct. Yeah, you don't need an intermediary. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins to be your intermediary. You need a priest. You don't need Mary. You don't need an idol. You need a crucifix. You don't need a, anybody. Just pray from your heart, and the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, will take your utterances and give them to the Father. I mean, wow, isn't that amazing? To think that we don't need somebody between us. Jesus dying on the cross created that bridge that connects us to the Father. That is a wonderful thing. I, I look so forward to the day when we get to see the Father face it, we see our Savior and see his hands with the nails and the feet with the nails and know that he did that for us. Brother, there are scary times ahead, no doubt, but there are even more glorious times if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior ahead of us. So praise the Lord for programs like this that proclaim that news, good news to everybody. Eyes not seen nor ear heard, the things God's got planned for us. I mean, Hey, you know, I mean, he talks about those mansions that I mean, he's had 2,000 years to build the old mansion up there. It's going to be pretty <laughs> magnificent. So, the new Jerusalem is going to be spectacular. You want to know more about your future home in heaven? Just you go to Revelation chapter 21 and 22. It talks about the eternal state and brother. It's amazing. A super city, the new Jerusalem on a new earth uh, where there's peace and righteousness and justice. No more tears, no more sickness, no more death. No more sin, no more rebellion, perfect harmony with God, a perfect relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, I just can't wait. I just can't wait. It's going to be a new world order, not the world order that the Illuminati won. It's the new world order that the Lord's putting the world back in order. And he, he, you know, he tells us, come boldly into my throne room and make your... I mean, my kids, when they were little, 
they didn't care who, I remember one time I was talking with Dr. Charles Riley. Charles oh, wow. Riley befriended me and I mean, I thought this is kind of a weird, you know, weird situation. I'm, I'm doing music. I just came on stage for the church, you know, came out of the whole rock, part of rock and roll. And there I am playing my original songs and there's Charles Riley and I'm thinking, wow, how's this going to go over? And he, he came out, he went out of his way to befriend me. I mean, he's like, he just got around me and he's just like, hey, you know, I, I, I really love your, your music and the message. I'm going, you like this stuff? Really? You don't look like somebody that would rock out. <laughs> but, uh, no, he didn't, did he? <laughs> but yeah, he was so he was so gracious and so kind. He sent me books and you know wrote me letters and all. But once I was talking to him, my kids, you know, they don't care who I'm talking to. They don't know, you know. They just interrupted me. They just came boldly into the office and dad, dad, you know, can I have a penny? <laughs> I need a penny right now. Um, Humans are like that, aren't we? We're focused on the minutia and miss the big yeah. picture. Yeah, he was a giant of theology. Uh, back when I was in Bible college at Philadelphia Biblical University, he was, uh, he'd retired by then, but he had left as many of his books behind on dispensationalism. And many a night I had to cram for one of Dr. Ryrie's tests, or I learned a lot. And I finally got to meet him very close to his death. I was at the Pre-Trib Research Center conference that's held in Dallas in December every year. And there's this poor guy with a walker trying to get through this breezeway and he couldn't get the door open. I ran over, I helped, I opened the door. And I look at him and I recognize him. I'm like, you're Dr. Charles Ryrie. And you can see his shoulders slumped. He's like, yeah. And you can tell he was thinking, I'm never going to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> sure enough, we, a crowd came around him and he was very gracious. He let us take our pictures with him and all that. But finally, he's like, I really do need to leave now. And we opened the doors for him and let him out. But mm -hmm. he was a, a giant in theology. And to think right now, he knows all that we're reading, he's living it. He's seeing Jesus face to face. He's living in his glorified eternal body. He knows that peace and eternal youth. And, and that's just, that's amazing. Because we know that that's our future as well. He's walking on streets of gold. And, you know, those flying white horses, I don't know if they're going to have wings. I, I mean, look how the Lord just appeared, you know, in, in the upper room. It was just like... Well, you know, if the, if the New Jerusalem is 1,500 miles wide, long, and high... I don't imagine we're going to be taking elevators up 1,500 miles. We, either we're going to do like Jesus, where we just move from one place to another. Jesus ascended, which means there's a possibility our glorified bodies will fly. Uh, maybe we'll have those white horses. I, I love uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 42 reads, So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory, it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power, it is sown in a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there's a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. And that's talking about our eternal bodies. These earthly shells will be resurrected and merge with our intermediate spirit bodies. And we'll have what's called our glorified bodies that are perfect and there's no sin involved. The sin nature is at last gone. And we will know strength and youth and beauty and we will stay eternally young by eating from the tree of life that that grows at the river of life that comes from the throne of God. Truly God is the source of all life. Uh, again, I'm getting all excited about that, but that's what the rapture teaches. The rapture teaches that, that we as a generation of Christians might not have to experience death that we could be taken off this earth before death and avoid death and be transformed into our glorified bodies. Uh, that's an amazing promise for the church.
It says, you know, the Lord tells us, you know, weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh back in the morning. So it's going to be indescribable joy. And unless you're with the Lord Jesus, you're never going to understand that indescribable joy. I mean, I, I know from science is that, you know, um, your left kidney and your right kidney, they were going to release um, on the adrenal glands that are above that. If, if you're stressing out about what's going on in the world, um, your kidneys are, are going to get confused and they go, well, you know, your stress, I guess we'll just release stress hormones and molecules. And, but if you just simply go, look, I don't know how it's going to work out. I, I just know I'm going to trust God, lean on in my own understanding. I'm just going to trust God and his word. He'll take care of it. And then you, your kidneys release molecules of joy, which is a DHEA chemical. And then your heart releases a chemical called ANF, which is like the molecules of supernatural peace. It releases healing molecules. It helps your immune system to do what it's designed to do. So like you now there's like people like John G. Lake that were in bubonic plague um, places in Africa. He didn't contract anything. He didn't um, he didn't give it, he carry it on to anyone else. I mean, that's what we should be doing. You know, covered in the blood of Jesus, we should be walking in supernatural power. I know we're about out of time, but this is we've got to have you back again soon and uh, carry on with some more conversation here. So um I, I love the verse. I think the, the light verse for me is Habakkuk 2, 4. The righteous shall live by faith, or the just shall live by faith, depending on your interpretation. Yes, it's scary times we're living in. It's only going to get scarier. The Bible prophesies it will be. But the righteous now live, shall live by faith. That gives us peace. That gives us joy. No matter what trial or hardship that comes our way, we can laugh at death because we know that we are in Jesus Christ's hand. So... Again, blessings, brother, for having a program that brings so much hope to people. Remember, everyone, you can't kill a Christian. All you can do is temporarily change their dress, and then we're coming back on flying white horses. Uh, you're really big on those flying white horses, aren't you? <laughs> I am. Can't wait. <laughs> it's going to happen. Until next time, um, we'll look forward to having Brother Nathan back with us, and um, we'll carry on here, there, in the air. God bless everyone.